Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Welcome, everyone, to Pod After Touchdown. I am your host, Andrew Mackins, joined by my co-host, Sam Hoppin. We are back. We are back in the new decade. We have now been recording across two separate decades. Holy shit. How crazy is that? It is a new year. It is the end of fantasy football, unfortunately. Uh, Season long, at least. There might be a couple of you out there playing some DFS along with a couple Bachelor contestants. Um, (laughs) Former Bachelor contestants, I should add. But uh, it was a crazy end of the year. It was a crazy wildcard weekend, which we are recording right after. It was honestly probably one of the best wildcard weekends I've experienced in a long time. Like All of the games were one-score games. The Mm -hmm. Seahawks-Eagles game at the end wasn't that spectacular. It didn't help that... Josh McCown had to come in despite his great effort, but all of them came down. I think at least two, two of them came down to the final play uh, with the Saints-Vikings and the Bills-Texans. The Patriots-Titans game came down pretty much to the end, not necessarily the final play, but um, a close one nonetheless. Yeah, the best game for me or the best win was probably the Vikings upsetting the Saints. And, and the Saints losing in horrible fashion for the third year in a row. But the best loss of the week was the Patriots losing to my Titans. Uh, <laughs> and seeing that happen was definitely exciting after them getting waxed by the Patriots two years ago in the playoffs. Uh, it makes for a very interesting uh, week that I'm already looking forward to uh, with the divisional rounds coming. And it's probably not uncommon but I looked at the the potential matchups in the conferences and they're all would be rematches from the 2019 season so that that probably happens more often than not every year but it's gonna be crazy to see like oh we've seen these two teams play like fairly recently whether it's like Packers 49ers Packers Vikings um Seahawks played the, the Seahawks 49ers Seahawks 49ers holy shit again Seahawks Seahawks, Vikings played each other that was a good game earlier this year so yeah, certainly a lot of excitement in the NFL playoffs, but we want to talk about what happened in the fantasy football playoffs to round out the year. But before we get into that, our kickoff question is going to be a, a look back at a kickoff question we had a couple months ago, and that's just recapping some of the beer bets that we made and see who owes what. And this game is underway! Unfortunately, the Oakland Raiders did not make the playoffs. So I owe you a beer for that. Yeah, I know there was even a small chance that it could happen the last week of the season, but I knew, looking at this Raiders team, that they weren't going to make the playoffs. The Titans were just starting to get hot. And if, yeah, it would have been sweet for you if they had made it in, but I think there were the field. It was easy for me to take the field on this one. So. I think you're speaking, lucky that I gave you some other uh, some other easy wins there. Uh, speaking of the field, AJ Green never saw the field, <laughs> so that's a bad for damn. me. It was yeah. one of those things where I'm like, okay, 
he injured his ankle a month before the season started. He's got to play at least sometime at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, the Bengals shake the dust off. The Bengals wouldn't keep him off IR this entire season for no reason and play with 52 players all year. Well, the Bengals have the number one overall pick for a reason, and we will talk about them later. Uh, let's go back to another one that I won, which I'm, I'm glad that I took you up on this, and it was DJ Moore outscoring Michael Gallup at the end of the season. DJ Moore had a couple low games in there, and we we're still waiting for regression to happen, and Michael Gallup had just come off a big blow-up game, so... Uh, you know, Sam put his money where his mouth was and thought Gallup was going to tear it up at the end of the year. I stuck with my guy, DJ Moore. Fortunately for you, we did that on a points-per-game basis. Otherwise, Michael Gallup's 30-point performance in Week 17 would have uh, got me W there. But unfortunately... So that's because one of the teams had a bye already? or No, or that's because had... Moore didn't play in... The final week because of a concussion, I believe. Some okay. sort of injury. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a guy who played all games but didn't perform nearly as well as I thought was Philip Lindsay, who ended the year outside of the top 10 running backs. So you win that one. But I win for the Rams showing up against the Cardinals, which they did in both games, and beat the Cardinals in both games, which <laughs> you thought they were going to lose both of i i don't know what i was thinking here man that was definitely putting my balls on the table i i was getting a little excited about the cardinals i think after they they either beat or really played the bucks well and then uh that gave me some confidence with the rams just underperforming all season but they showed up at the end of the year they they made a run at it and it's unfortunate to see them not in the playoffs but i think we've got some better teams in there um, moving on to some other of Sam's wins, <laughs> we made a bet in week 14 where he took Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs over Dak Prescott. He won that one, so it's a good point of take the guy who's going hot or who you think is actually going to score more points. Conversely, Sam could have actually won another beer if he had taken me up on a bet where I said he thought Rivers was going to score more points than Aaron Rodgers in week 16. And I said, well, if you think that's true, I will take Aaron Rodgers. And he decided not to take the bet, but Rivers scored more points than Rodgers, even though both, I believe, scored less than 15 points, which is not what you want in your fantasy championship. No, so not, not at all. All in all, I believe I owe Sam two beers from this, if we did our math correctly before. Uh, so you'll get those at some point in a bar, and hopefully they're not too overpriced. Ah, they're going to be so, so tasty. All right, let's move on to week 16 slash a little bit of week 17 recap and our takeaways from that. I'll let you start, Sam. So this is a guy, the first guy I'm going to talk about is someone who was sort of left for dead at the beginning of the year. He was in the pits in Miami and then made a switch to another warm southern city team in the Arizona Cardinals and finished on a super hot streak. That's Kenyon Drake. He, I think, plunged his way into the high-end RB2 territory and drafts for 2020. When he was with the Cardinals, he was RB4, running back four over that entire span, which is absolutely ridiculous. I've, you know, he won a ton of people leagues because of the major performances he had at the end of the year. The first game he was on the Cardinals, it was a Thursday night football game. Nobody was expecting him to come in and do anything. 
and he tore apart the 49ers defense, which had been playing fantastically up until that point. And he ended up finishing running back 16 on the year. So, I mean, a lot lot of that was weighted on his performances at the end of the year. But there's speculation that David Johnson isn't even going to be around next year. That, you know, there was a lot of hype about this Cardinals offense going into 2019. I think that momentum will carry going into 2020 because there wasn't... You know, you didn't get all of the the sparks and, you know, high-flying stuff as some might have expected, but it certainly didn't disappoint a ton throughout the year. Yeah, there there are definitely some highlights, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit more later, but I'm totally with you on this Kenyon Drake take. I think David Johnson, I totally misread this when the trade happened. I thought, well, David Johnson's the starter, so he'll probably take away too many carries from Kenyon Drake. I dropped Kenyon Drake in a league, and it really bit me in the ass. Uh... I am completely about face on that. I think David Johnson's shown that he's just not durable enough anymore to really have a full workload in this league. And I think Kenyon Drake is still young enough to do that. He's a dual purpose back. And a lot of analysts have talked in the past about um, just the level of Drake's talent and how he was really being underutilized in Miami. So I'm excited for his hype for sure. It's pretty crazy what happens when you're not being coached by Adam Gase. Yeah. Crazy things can happen. So... One thing I want to look at, and I know you love this guy too, another running back who is even younger than Kenyon Drake, and we're hoping to see him get more touches in 2020. Uh, But the question is, will he? And that's Devin Singletary. Now, there are some graphics over the weekend talking about his performance uh, at the end of the year where he was second in runs of, I believe, 20-plus yards and second in yards per carry at 5.1 on the season. And that was, it might have been over a certain game stretch, but that was second to Lamar Jackson. Uh, and that's the way they played up his efficiency, at least in this uh, graphic that was during the Bills-Texans game. Now, I'm curious, you know, they kept putting Frank Gore out there. And I don't think Frank Gore is going to be there next year. But do you think that they in start giving other touches to spell Singletary? He's a smaller body. Maybe they don't want him to break down. Uh, are they going to bring in, like, I think they still have TJ Eldon on the team. Or they draft someone else who's a bruiser to come in take touches away from Singletary so he can't become this like elite status running back. It is so confusing what Sean McDermott and Brian Dable did at the end of that game, giving this, I get it. He's a hall of fame running back and he's played great his entire career, but Devin Singletary was tearing this defense apart. He was juking tackles left and right. He was getting so many more, you know, yards on per carry. Like, Frank Gore had eight carries for 22 yards in the game, and they still kept giving him the ball just to... I I, I don't know why. So, I... I know it's frustrating, but I'm saying, like, is it going to change? If if Gore's there, I don't think it's going to change. There there were a couple games where... But if he retires. If he retires, then... And the tech... Or, excuse me, the Bills don't bring anyone in, then I think... Singletary can and will be the guy, but if they do bring someone in, whether it's through the draft or free agency, even you know a, a lower name guy, they still have TJ Yeldon who was hurt most of the year, so maybe they bring him back and he's sort of the guy that gets brought in on on third down or what yeah. Happened. And most but, of these elite guys do get spelled, like even Alexander Madison would come in for Dalvin Cook, but. 
that that's kind of the one-two punch we would hope to see in Buffalo with Singletary, you know, being the the Dalvin Cook in that relationship. So uh, we're all hoping for it, and I think he. I mean, you got to ride that until he does get injured. And if he gets injured, it's just part of the game, I guess. Uh, let's move on to the PPR rookie that you love for 2020. So this is a guy that really showed a ton in the last two weeks. And we were having a debate that we'll get into later in the offseason about whether whether you should or shouldn't include Week 17 in some of your fantasy football analysis for the upcoming year because – we can we say that you shouldn't have a championship in week 17 because there are teams like the Ravens who who don't play but for teams like the Oakland Raiders who do play in week 17 they have a chance to show off some of their stars and one of those was Hunter Renfro who I think could be a the next best PPR <laughs> monster in this league in his last two games in week 16 and 17 and he missed uh, let's see how many games he missed three games due to injury uh, weeks 13 through 15 but in his last two games he scored at least 19 fantasy points in half PPR he had over 100 yards in both those games and a touchdown in each and I think he's going to be more of the target monster than Darren Waller was we saw with Hunter Renfro in the lineup when he was starting to sort of come on as a main target for Derek Carr that he was taking a lot more away from Waller than than vice versa. So I I I just think he's got a lot of promise. Obviously, he did a great rendition of uh, Take on Me. Uh, no, not not Take on Me. What was it? Um, I have no clue what you're talking from about. Uh, from Hard Knocks. Sometimes in our lives we all have pain. We all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's tomorrow. Lean on me when we're not strong. You have no idea what I'm talking about. All right, never Stand mind. by me. Stand by Lean me. Lean on me yeah. <laughs> when you're not strong. Fuck! <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I, I think he... That's one of those situations where the last two weeks, it wasn't just one week. He did it twice in a row, and th- those were games that the Raiders were competitive in. They had to win, and he just played well. Yeah, he he was a guy I was trying to get in Dynasty, and now I think it's damn near impossible to get him unless you're willing to overpay with, a, with an established veteran. But in any case, a former Raider that I have been really impressed with on his new team, uh, Jared Cook at tight end. I can't remember the last guy this he the last time this guy didn't have double digit points in your tight end slot and you probably got him at a good value and maybe picked him up off of the waiver wire because he was injured in the middle of the season. I was really impressed with him as ultimately the second option in New Orleans offense. Now, there's a lot of things that could change. I think there's so many factors that could affect his season next year like his age uh and where Drew Brees is going to end up uh if they bring in other weapons in that offense, maybe it's a, a waning team and after all of these heartbreaking playoff losses. But he's definitely got talent, and as long as he's utilized the right way, he can make plays. So I, I'm excited to see what happens with his draft stock, uh, potential bargain bin player for you if you're lucky. He he certainly could be going into next year. He's not one of those guys that I'm going to pay a premium for at the tight end position. It, 
you know, if it gets to the double digit rounds and there's nobody left on my board that I'm excited about and I don't have a tight end, then maybe I'll take a stab at him. But he's he's certainly not going to be the sexiest option, but he could be giving you a solid 8 to 10 points a week, which is pretty good for, for the oh, tight yeah. end. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of these big guys like that I'm just obsessed with. Like 6'5", 248. You can... If you oh, watch yeah. him enough, hey, you can he see play it basketball on the field. In college? Yeah, maybe he did. Who I knows? Know. But he had two games where he didn't play to injury and a bye week seven through nine. Every other week since week six, uh, except for week fifteen, he had double digit points. So, and that's in half PPR. So, pretty crazy stuff. And I think you really just want consistency out of your tight end uh, instead of these guys that put up goose eggs. So that's why I like him so much. But let's move on to your next uh, player, Sam. In the last couple of weeks, Miles Sanders has been banged up. Obviously, he was a little banged up in the wild card game. And there was a couple of weeks stretch where he was getting all the run in Philadelphia. And he was becoming the workhorse back for the first time since Doug Peterson has been a coach there. And Boston Scott came on in that, I believe, was the first uh, New York Giants game that the Eagles played and sort of since then it's been a fairly split backfield between Sanders and Scott. Now Scott obviously took sort of the the Jordan Howard role a little bit um, as Sanders was splitting time with him beforehand but I, I, I wonder if Sanders being banged up and thus sharing the workload with Scott will make him a value in drafts or do people expect him not to be a true lead running back? I think Miles Sanders is going to be in 2020 what I'm going to call a league shifter in that he has the opportunity to shift a league, a player, I guess a team, one way or the other. Whether, you know, if, he, if he's going in the third oh, round and you're getting him <laughs> there, he could, he could, I think he could end up the running back one if he's getting the workload that he was for mm-hmm. that several week stretch, or he could be the running back 35 and you're spending a third round pick on him. So I think, I think he's got one of the widest range of outcomes is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that does not bode well for my it, keeper league options. So, <laughs> I, I, it's, and I think a lot of this, this off season will hopefully tell what happens with that because, you know, maybe they let, Jordan Howard go. Yeah, but if they keep just, him, you're like, you're going to be then, on pins and needles of yeah, what's even going to happen. Then it's back to square one. So just something, again, in the last couple of weeks, Miles Sanders sort of reverting to sharing the workload in Philly, uh, something to keep stock in. Very good. We'll, we'll be talking about more players we're keeping an eye on in the offseason in particular uh, coming up. Uh, the last couple of things I want to talk about are streaming and how important that is at the end of the year because we're going to dive deeper into this later of like weekly performances or stretches of the beginning of the season versus the end but in particular looking at like those streamable positions defense always look at those matchups you can look at the patriots the number one defense by a billion on on the (laughs) season had only seven points in week 14 versus the chiefs they, they came through with 19 points at Cincinnati, which you would expect them to, and you should have started them that week, but then only seven points against Buffalo. Same with the Steelers. They had an awesome week. Uh, it was a week 
14 at Arizona with 20 points, but then they followed that up with eight and seven. So just because they were your number one defense on your team all year doesn't mean you can't pivot off of that. And the same goes for quarterbacks. Yeah, and with like a team like the Indianapolis Colts, who are playing uh, a rookie Will Greer, uh, end up with 29 points in championship week. Yeah, I scoffed at that at first. I, I remember that from our previous episode, and I, and I really got uh, shut up there for certain. So that's a perfect example of that. Uh, other players that we would be uh, looking at from the quarterback side uh we can sift through that at another time but i think there's guys that just didn't show up in in the playoffs there were you you have a note in here about is streaming quarterbacks the best option i don't think it's as simple as that i think it goes back to the draft in that you don't spend a high round pick on a quarterback lamar jackson's going to be a first round pick in some leagues Oh, yeah. More likely a second round ADP pick um, in consensus, but he's not going to give you the value in the second round that he did in the ninth, 10th, or 11th round this past year. So it's, and it's it was the same thing with Patrick Mahomes this past year. He Patrick Mahomes played great, but he wasn't giving you the value because you didn't have those you know, Dalvin Cooks that you could have gotten in the second round or players like that that, you know, you're sacrificing by taking a quarterback so Mm -hmm. early. So I think the big picture here is don't invest a ton in quarterback. Be able to go a a different route and say, okay, I didn't put a lot of capital into this guy, so if he's not performing well, I can can dump him and move on to the next guy. It's sort of like Jared Goff we were talking about earlier in the season of yeah. he hadn't been playing well but you didn't spend a ton of draft capital on him so it was easy to move on to the next guy and and find a Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone yeah like that. and if you held on to him too long like me you got banged um, <laughs> but again in those last those playoff weeks like we're talking about I just looked at Russell Wilson he had two games under 12 points uh, in the fantasy playoffs Dak Prescott who we'll, we're going to mention later as a breakout he had 11 points in week 16 in your fantasy championship and and Sam won a beer off me for uh picking Tannehill over Dak Prescott in the beginning of your fantasy playoffs so there are those matchups you can play out there and and sometimes it's just feeling it right and and being water so uh important to remember as we get to the end of our 2020 fantasy season but we've got a long way before then can't (laughs) wait already it's gonna be fun but before we start looking even forward to 2020, let's close out the season one last time and run through some year-long fantasy awards. So let's start off with the Family Dollar Bargain Win Player of the Year. This is your MVP. And I'm just going to start with Lamar Jackson because he was everything you, I wanted him to be and more. He, you know, we were talking again, talking earlier. You could split the quarterback position any which way, any set of weeks in the season, and Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback. He scored more than Patrick Mahomes did last year on one fewer game. He was absolutely incredible. I, I think he only let you down once earlier in the season, and that was about it. Even on a bum quad against the Jets he puts up five touchdowns on like three passes somehow like he's that 
He's that incredible. <laughs> he it, it, it was just so awesome to see. It was even, nuts. Even, you know, it, it, it's tough because I, as the listeners of this podcast know, I was a big proponent of Lamar Jackson entering the season and hopefully non-owners of Lamar Jackson got to enjoy it. But he he's the MVP of fantasy. He's going to be the MVP of the league. So that's it. He, I mean, MVP, what else can you what, what else, else can you, can you say? say about him, really? Um, I'm going to do a mini trifecta here because we talk about waiting on quarterback a lot. And by the end of this season, I felt like, holy shit, I should be waiting on tight end more and take a shot on multiple of these bargain bin players. And I'm going to throw in, I, I've got Mark Andrews written down to double down on the Ravens offense, but I'm going to throw in. Darren Waller and Austin Hooper as well, because these were all guys that were drafted in the double digit rounds, potentially the last round of your draft. And all of them ended up in the top six um, in half PPR scoring. Austin Hooper would have been like the number one tight end if he didn't go out with an injury in towards the end of the season. And for what it's worth, I said Austin Hooper could be a top five tight end. So uh, we'll have to look at back at some of our other he, takes later. He's a but, top three tight end by on points per game. So I'll give you that one. Yeah, that is. Uh, he was having a crazy season with the Falcons. Mark Andrews was the primary benefactor of Lamar Jackson's passing. And you mentioned Darren Waller earlier, who is a target hog in a lot of games. So all of these guys huge bargain bin in a position that you want to like you said like find value later in the draft so that's why they're uh all co-owners of my (laughs) mvp slash bargain bin player players of the year now on the flip side we need to talk about the guys that did not come up big at all this year and Obviously, throughout the year, we trashed on some guys on a week-to-week basis. and They didn't deliver. Because of that, we're going to talk about our DiGiorno Delivery Players of the Year. Oh, yeah. You thought this was gone because we didn't do it after the kickoff question, but we're back. All right. You know what? I tripled down on the MVP. I'm going to triple down on our DiGiorno players, and it's the Browns. OBJ, Baker Mayfield, Freddie fucking Kitchens. They are supposed to take the league by storm this year, and they sucked. OBJ was probably a first round or second round pick for you. I drafted Baker in the fifth round in one of my leagues. Oh my gosh. You needed Kitchens to have, like, just give the play calling to Todd Monken, and things might have gotten better. Freddie turned the oven up too hot, and he had to get out of the kitchen. That's for damn sure. And he's out of the Browns facilities Big old nowadays. Bust. This one hurts so much for me. That's a fellow AFC North wide receiver. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. He's so fun. He's so cool. He's so he's such. He's just a fun guy. But he totally took a shit on your team this year. More he like poo poo Smith-Schuster. He was, he was absolutely trash. They kept rolling out guys like Mason Rudolph and a quarterback named Duck. Come on! He kept God. scoring, which made you think, oh, I'm going to put him in. But no, <laughs> he's still going to be trash. And it just sucks so much. Hope is a hell of a drug, Sam. It really is. And unfortunately, there was no hope from these guys. Yikes. Well, that was a painful way to end the DiGiorno Glad I didn't draft OBJ anywhere. 
That is very good. I did not either. And the be- and like you said, the best thing was you know you draft Baker, and you can pivot from him because there's so many fucking quarterbacks out there that you can play. Good thing to know with streaming. Let's move on to the next uh, breakout player of the year. I think you said it. Sponsored by Proactive, right? <laughs> yes, sponsored by Proactive. And these guys broke out in a good way. Yeah, Chris Godwin just took the league by storm. He he did what everyone was talking about him doing. Again, similar to Lamar Jackson, was just like he got a ton of hype and he actually delivered on it. He sh- and I think he is the definition of a breakout because he. He played well the previous season and showed some promise and then actually took that, improved as a player. The offense improved as well and just performed admirably. Yeah, I I love that this went the way that the fantasy football cognoscenti was hoping it would go or calling it to go. I think later on we'll have to talk about why this didn't happen for Curtis Samuel in contrast. Uh, But... My breakout is a guy who we've known for a long time who's had good fantasy games, but he put it all together this season uh, in thanks to Kellen Moore a little bit, his OC, and that's Dak Prescott. He, all of these past years, has had six rushing touchdowns every year, and that was a big reason people wanted to uh, draft him. I thought he would be a great bargain in the double-digit rounds. Uh, Someone I know uh, from our home league drafted him in the single-digit rounds, and I you know, all this to say, Dak Prescott finished as the number two quarterback in fantasy. He had 337 points. He did that with only three rushing TDs, so it was a lot coming from his arm, uh, throwing to both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. I think he he really proved he deserved the contract that he was fighting for in the previous offseason. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going into this new year under a new head coach in Mike McCarthy. We are all too familiar with Mike McCarthy. He obviously ended his tenure in Green Bay a little sourly. And I can't say I'm that excited about the Cowboys offense in 2020. But we'll see if he keeps Kellen Moore around because I think that is one of the bigger factors. Save it for another pod. That's for sure. So we're going to talk about just some situations that we are monitoring for the off season and we'll keep tabs on them as the months pass along because some of them won't come to fruition until the draft is passed or free agency and it's just you know a couple of things that after what we saw this season that were a little bit interested in because it could shape how we rank some people going into 2020 draft season and I'm going to start off with the Dolphins just where do they go from here because at the beginning of the year they were going to be one of the historically worst teams in NFL history like it was downright bad they were getting clobbered left and right they there was no hope they were trading away Kenyon Drake, Lerner Tunsil, all these guys that had shown some promise but they just didn't really Make care. Fitzpatrick. And then they ended the season. They ended up 5-11 and 11 with these Bam! no-name ragtag guys. Devontae, you know, they had a couple <laughs> playmakers. Devontae Parker, the Corey Davis of the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they, some of their playmakers showed promise. It, it was Parker Gesicki, uh leading rusher Ryan Fitzpatrick on the oh, team. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but what happens 
in 2020 with them. Does Fitzpatrick stick around? Because I think that impacts these players' fantasy value quite a bit. Or do they draft a quarterback and roll with them? A lot of mock drafts I've seen have them taking Tua. And if they throw Tua in right away, I think it could be a Dwayne Haskins-like situation where, yes, there's some fantasy value, but they're not going to be performing nearly as well as they would with Fitzpatrick. And if they draft a running back, which is highly likely given that they have nobody in that backfield right now, where does he land on fantasy draft boards? I think he could be in a an albeit worse team, but similar situation to Josh Jacobs in which he could come in as the guy, a running back, a, a rookie running back with supposedly, supposedly fresh legs and or fresher legs than a, a Frank Gore at least, and could be the guy. It could be an offense that, if again, if Fitzpatrick sticks around, has some potential to score and offer some fantasy value. So I'm really intrigued to see what the Dolphins end up doing. I, mean, I, I don't expect them to be a highly prolific offense, but there are some moves that could happen that could impact these guys from a fantasy perspective yeah I, I don't know why but I'd like to see them go the running back route get one of these like elite guys from this class and use Fitz, a combination of Fitzpatrick and uh, another free agency QB or something to to get them through the season you know who would be a great it fit in Miami who Ryan Tannehill oh god I no, bet the, he would the let Titans a spark are gonna... in that offense hey they let him go in the offseason it's that was part of the tank operation, apparently. But no, I think I think there's other guys out there who could end up on Miami, um, and they could develop a guy like uh, Josh Rosen. Who knows? Some they could draft another QB and try to develop them. Uh, and and really, we'd be looking at you know getting an elite running back on this team back to the days of Larry Zonka potentially. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see what they do there because they've got plenty of holes that they need to fill, not just quarterback and uh, running back. But the team that I'm more interested in is the Arizona Cardinals because this team has that struggling year under its belt already after being horrid the previous year. They got their quarterback with Kyler Murray. They got their head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. And so now I think the pieces they need to add are the O-line to help Kyler a little bit more because he took a lot of sacks this season, had a lot of trouble with pressure. But we know with the with the right O-line, like, they can, you know, he can scramble around a little bit more if you just give him a little bit more time. I'm curious to see how the wide receiver core shakes out because they do have a another old Fitz on that team and Larry Fitzgerald. Christian Kirk could be a breakout. And then you've got all these other young guys that we've got to sift through. Keyshawn Johnson, Demir Bird was getting targets throughout the season. Hakeem Butler was on IR and one of their top draft picks. Andy Isabella, like who, who the hell is going to be the one that produces the most or who's going to be that new tandem there for Murray? So, a lot going on there, and I'd love to see them add to the O-line first because they already have all these wide receiver assets. Without a doubt, and obviously the how the running back position on that team plays out uh, will impact a lot of this, like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think Kyler Murray can be the Lamar Jackson of 2020. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to... You know, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna be the MVP. I don't think he's gonna go out there and, you know, light the world on fire. He's going to be the guy. He's got the rushing ability, he's got the weapons, and 
he has shown the potential to have these high ceiling games, he's still going to be discounted enough in fantasy drafts where you can get him in the <laughs> eighth, ninth, tenth round potentially. I mean, yeah, you maybe, say that now, but well, yeah, that's, that's another thing I'm thinking about because people are going to start drawing those parallels, not not to just Lamar Jackson, but Patrick Mahomes, both of which broke out in their second year. And I heard beat reporters already asking Kyler, like, what do you think you live up to this expectation? And he's like, well, uh, conversations about elite. Like, I don't go out there just to be average. So, I mean, how big of a step is he going to take? I think he does fit the mold of a Lamar Jackson very well. But each situation is different. You can't, like, compare apples to apples. So it, it will be really interesting. And we got to make sure we don't fall into the hype. Okay. Speaking of quarterbacks... I just want to see what happens with the veteran quarterbacks that's going. This could be one of the biggest monumental shifts in any offseason we've seen with the old guys like Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees potentially being on totally different teams. Now, there's a reality in which Brady goes back to New England, Brees goes back to New Orleans, and Rivers goes back to L.A. But boring. They're... The way that their contracts are working right now is they're all going to be free agents. They all haven't had the best end of their seasons. I mean, Brees had, a, from a statistical standpoint, pretty good end of the year. But none of them really wowed anyone by that measure. I mean, I think they might just stick around because they are future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But then there's this other subset of guys like Jameis Winston. We don't know... If the Buccaneers are going to hold on to him, is Trubisky going to maintain the starting position with the Bears? If so, none of the Bears will be on my draft board. (laughs) Um, Does Ryan Tannehill stay in Tennessee or does he get a chance to test the open market in free agency? So there, there's just a, I mean, and there are several other players like Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like all these other guys that have been in the league for a while that could end up changing teams. That I, I mean, with, there will be some speculation with coaching changes, but I think the quarterback has more of an impact on fantasy football production than said coaching changes. I'll give you my quick take on Tannehill. I think the Titans have struggled to find a quarterback for so long, basically since Steve McNair, rest in peace. Uh, that they are going to pay out the nose for Tannehill. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up biting them in the ass, to be honest. But uh, (laughs) it will be very interesting. I want to cover the quarterback carousel in a separate episode during the offseason because I'd love for us to just, you know, definitely get out the whiteboard and see what the scenarios are. Uh, In any case, we'll move on to just overall uh, players that we're looking to uh, see where their draft position is. Uh, I've got... Running backs such as Miles Sanders, which we've talked about already. Devin Singletary, which we've talked about already. We, we've we been talking about these guys so much across the season. Even yourself has talked a lot about Josh Jacobs. These second-year running backs, where are they going to land on the draft board now? Uh, especially in comparison to this hyped-up 2020 draft class and the rookies, I think will be really interesting to follow uh, once we see where those running backs get drafted. And then wide receivers that really flashed this year. DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton. Michael Gallup, are any of these guys, uh, who, are, who are the most likely to be a third-year breakout, and which ones are going to be the best values during the draft or perceived values based on their average draft position? Uh, that's what I'm 
looking at the most. I'm also interested in Bengals wide receivers, but that's a, a weird conversation we can have at a later date. I totally agree. Let's uh, hold off on the Bengals wide receiver court for now. <laughs> there, Similar to you, there are a number of players that I'm interested to see sort of how their ADP shakes out. And, and some of these guys are players who had seasons much different than what a lot of people expected them to do. First and foremost is Austin Eckler. Obviously, he had the backfield to himself to start the year with Melvin Gordon holding out and ended up finishing the year almost just as strong uh, for, for a couple weeks. And does he get the backfield to himself? All, all indications are that Melvin Gordon's going to go somewhere else in free agency, try and get a, a bigger contract. But do the Chargers bring someone in to complement Austin Eckler in, you know, as a pass catching back. What happens with David Johnson? We've talked about that a lot. There was some speculation that maybe he goes to Tampa Bay Ooh. to reunite with Bruce Arians. I don't want to fall into that trap because, yes, he scored 20 touchdowns with Bruce Arians back in 2016, but that was five years ago. We saw what David Johnson looks like nowadays. And well, I mean, even if he did go there, Peyton Barber's going to take like five off the top. And so. Ronald Jones. So <laughs> I, I, if that happens, I think the hype's going to go way too far with David Johnson, but who knows right now. All the Browns players, you mentioned they were DiGiorno trash this season. And <laughs> hey, does, DiGiorno's not that bad. They just don't deliver. <laughs> that's a good point. But does their piss-poor performance drive their draft value down enough to make them to make them a value? Or does the name recognition for OBJ and Baker... I mean, Nick Chubb will still probably be a yeah. top 10 running back because he... He was sort of the lone shining star in that offense. But what happens with these other guys? Does OBJ finally go outside the top 12? But Or is he still in there? Because if he's still in there, I, I don't want to I'm like I'm like grimacing because what if you draft OBJ at a value because he's in the third or fourth round and then he sucks again? Because that he wasn't even worth happen. the fourth round draft pick uh, this season, which that would be awful. But... Maybe they can turn it around there. You also have Devontae Parker on this list. Devontae Parker and another Devontae, Devontae Adams, who sort of switched places a little bit this, this year. <clears throat> well, do, you, from, do you think they would switch and, places in ADP? No, not a chance. I think, uh, again, a lot of this depends on what happens with the Miami quarterback situation. But True. how much does that finish for Devontae Parker carry him in ADP and he finished the wide receiver seven which is absolutely ridiculous and a lot of that was because of his last several games in the 2019 season but Devontae Adams certainly didn't have the best year at least not the year that you would expect for the draft capital you put into him and then the last guy who I am just really fascinated with is Terry McLaurin and there's there's so much going on with the Redskins. Obviously, Ron Rivera is going to be the new head coach. Do they stick with Dwayne Haskins? I mean, there's a very very real possibility that the Redskins drafted their quarterback because new coach, Ew. it's not, <laughs> you know, Haskins isn't Rivera's guy who he drafted. You know, so who is his guy? Cam Newton. I, that very well could happen, too. <laughs> like, that, that's not off the table. That's not crazy. So, Terry McLaurin, I... 
you know, I, part of me wanted to make this hot take that I'd take Terry McLaurin over AJ Brown in upcoming drafts. But uh, again, a lot of that will have to do with what happens over the next couple months, because I think my justification for that is McLaurin showed a little bit more stability throughout the year. AJ Green was very, AJ Green, AJ Brown was (laughs) was very boom bust. I mean, you even saw this past weekend against the Patriots when he had one catch for four yards. Yeah, 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 but that was against Stephon Gilmore. Let's see what he does (laughs) this week against uh, maybe it's Marcus Peters, but it was. But before before his big couple breakout games, we talked about how it literally was boom or bust. Like he, it was either under seven points or above. He he usually 50. had way it fewer was, targets and receptions than McLaurin. So I'm not. I don't think that take is insane. Like they're both. They got to be up there along with DK Metcalf now as those top rookie wide receivers. It'll be crazy to see where they are in ADP compared to the likes of Sutton and Gallup as well. That is a great point, but we will have a lot of time to talk through all of this in the offseason. We have, oh, nine months, eight months until the start of the 2020 season, which is crazy, but we still got some playoffs, divisional, conference championship, and Super Bowl coming up. We will be back with you in a couple weeks we don't have a set schedule for the off season but we'll be in your feed every once in a while just to talk through some of the ongoings of the nfl and get our reactions to some playoff football talk about free agency and the draft as we mentioned and then a couple other philosophical debates around fantasy football but in the meantime you can check out all of our takes on twitter you can follow me at sam hoppin you can follow andrew at andrew mackins you can follow our producer garner at garnther and you can follow the podcast at pod after td and with that the kaimi fairbairn kick is good watson pressure off the edge watson survives it and then checks down to jones jones inside the 40 inside the 30 inside the 20 to the 10 yard line taiwan jones deshaun watson on the outside and he is dead to right but the guy that Dabo sweetie said was the closest thing he's seen to michael jordan he put the s on his chest and he got to advance the texans 